We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Week 6 Waiver Wire Pickup Power Rankings. The full injury report, running back snap shares, early spreads, Monday Night Football, and the new segment, email advice, life advice. That would be not fantasy football advice. You want to send a question to myself, you do that at the Pat Mayo Experience at gmail.com. We've got some good ones already lined up, so thank you for throwing your questions into the ring to do this. Remember to smash the like button to the episode, and we're on the push for 30,000 subs on YouTube, so please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Mayo Media Network. we got the Monday Night Football preview already up. The recap from Laquan is already up. So we, we got a ton of stuff to do here. If you want to run the uh, the best Sims in the game, get your optimal lineups for Monday Night Football. You can run it 10,000 times in less than 10 seconds at runthesims.com. And runthesims.com slash mayo will get you a discount. My waiver wire pickup rankings in list form will be available on dknation.com. I have submitted them already, so I don't know when they're going to be published. I would think by the end of this show. When they're published, I will add them down into the description. So if you want to follow along with the show and see the rankings, they'll be updated too if any information changes plus if you're looking for the full injury list the snap shares game notes anything like that subscribe to the mayo media newsletter i have the link down in the description right now the just the link to the blog where you can see all the updates for that if you want to know more about how many shares of snaps that running backs played this week chris meany is back happy thanksgiving my canadian friend (laughs) yes that's right happy thanksgiving thanks dude um always a pleasure to be here and um doing this on a Monday morning instead of a Sunday night. So I'm, I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to rock. Uh, it was some, some entertaining football last night. Yeah. Unless you're really a big fan of people making extra points uh, week six or week five was pretty good. I had my best betting week. I had my best DraftKings week. It's one of those weeks where everything that could have went right for me went right for me outside of Daniel Jones getting hurt and John Ross not getting that touchdown in the Dallas game, although it wasn't a touchdown. I really could have used him to score the touchdown. So like, you know, like once every five weeks, it's like bad week, tread water, tread water, tread water, really good week. And now I'm like all fired up to start betting again. I know I'm just going to get taken this week. <laughs> yeah, it's usually how it goes, but you never know. You can put together a couple solid weeks here in a row. I think from uh, a fantasy standpoint, it was awful for me yesterday. I just didn't have things go my way and I wish I had more chargers in my life. I did have them on the spread, but from an overall 
Man, dude, I lost probably, I lost a lot of money yesterday on Saquon and I just had like little props and I kind of touched him everywhere. I had him in a, in a parlay with just over 13 carries, had him in another one over 90 total yards, another one over 59 rushing yards that I had earlier on in the week. And just to see that, what I call it, a, a freak injury, really. I know Saquon's had some injuries over the course of his career, but that one was just like one that really pissed me off yesterday. Hopefully he's all right, but man, I lost a lot of money on that because had the Trey Lance over seven rushing attempts at plus money, and that happened in, I think, first quarter. Yeah, uh, when you're going to rush the ball 20 Saquon. times a game, eventually it's going to be pretty good for you if you're Trey Lance. They're on bye this week. We finally have bye weeks. Atlanta, New Orleans, San yes. Francisco, and the Jets all on bye. Plus, we have Jacksonville and Miami in London this week for another early one. I love the early game. Not that like I'm like super into how good the quality of football is because they sent the absolute nutlow teams over to London to go play. I just like having football on when I wake up because the time zone that we're in, sucks for watching sports good for recording content about sports sucks for watching sports because we're even ahead of eastern but i just like something like i like going to the gym on sunday morning and now i can watch football when i'm there it's fantastic i thought it was awesome yeah it was great and and you're right we're on the, we're as far east as you can go so that game didn't happen until 10 30 uh which is which is great. I mean, to wake up, I used to live on the West coast when that game was happening at like six 30 at five 30 in the morning, still good because you wake up, maybe you just missed the first quarter or so. But I was thinking about that yesterday as well, Pat, people in London's like, really awesome. I mean, we get an NFL game. That's great. But Falcons and jets. I mean, it really doesn't get any worse than that. I saw they might be ex expanding to Germany next year. I might go to that, see if I can get DraftKings to send me over to Germany. That's I, I had a, I had a really good time the last time I was in Germany. I really like Germany, going to visit. So it'd be nice to go see a football game over there. And I'm sure that they can somehow like sneak me in the building. I can do the show live from there or something. Well, I'm still working on waste management open. Germany will be after that to figure that out. <laughs> Yeah, Waste Management Open is a, a fantastic time. I got to go back. Uh, it was one of the top moments, sports moments I think I've ever been to. But yeah, Germany would be fantastic. I've never been overseas, but I mean, you could, there's, it's worth it, right? I mean, not only to catch a football game, but you can catch a, I guess a real football game is what Europeans call it. And then you can travel, right? You can bump around. I got friends over there that just hop on a little bus and they're in France in 45 minutes. And then they go to Germany and, and Holland. It's like, ah, man, must be nice. Like, yeah, put that on your list. Do a show from there. Yeah, I'll probably pass on the uh, the real football. I'll just watch the NFL game. No, come on. And then I'll take a train through the Alps and go to Austria or something like that. Visit Prague. Who knows? Anyway, Bill's Cardinal Super Bowl? Are you ready for it? Man, we may get it. Heading into yesterday, there was, I think, four teams since 1970 that had at least 30 points and 400 yards. It was like the, the Broncos and, and Peyton Manning in 2013 and then Brady and the Pats in 2007 and then Rich Gannon and the Raiders in 2002 to start the first four weeks of 30 points and 400 plus yards. All those three teams went to the Super Bowl and lost and Zona didn't get to that threshold that th 30 plus points and 400 yards yesterday, but they're in that grouping. I don't know if they get to the Super Bowl and lose, but man, the Bills, a statement game for them yesterday. I wasn't surprised, man. Like, this isn't like pat myself on the back. This is just like the Bills are for real. They're legit. And if you've been watching the Chiefs over the past couple of weeks, like not only had they made mistakes on offense and it's kind of cost them some games defensively, they're they're pathetic. They're awful. Two weeks ago, they played the Eagles and Philly didn't punt once. Like they moved the ball easily. And I was like thinking, man, the Bills are going to do the exact same thing, but finish inside the red zone and score touchdowns. And that's exactly what they did. So Casey, I don't know what it is. 
I think they're fine offensively. I mean, we'll see what happens with CEH, but defensively, they're the worst team. And they may be the worst team, but the metrics say that they are. I mean, they're dead last in rush and past DVOA heading into yesterday. What they've allowed at least 29 points in every game. The, and now it's going to go through Buffalo or LA. I mean, Buffalo is, I think the home field advantage would be more significant for them, but the Chargers or the Chiefs are going to have to do this on the road. I don't think that they're too concerned about that. I, I mean, I have a pet conspiracy theory that the Chiefs are just letting all these teams win just to build their confidence for when they inevitably steamroll them in the playoffs. But we'll see. And I don't think that the Chiefs, although it hasn't been going well for them so far this season, they ha- they've had to have played them and Minnesota, I suppose, have probably played the hardest schedules so far when you just look at the quality of opponent because Dallas is much better than I thought that they were going to be. Uh, I mean, that's more for the Chargers, but it's just like... Uh, you get all these teams, like the Browns, obviously a good team. The Bills, obviously a good team. Philly is, who who the hell knows with Philly? Uh, they squeak out a win in a game that they didn't do anything in. Jalen Hurts doesn't do anything in the game and scores 25 fantasy points because he's legit maybe the best fantasy quarterback ever for a guy who's, like, not good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He still makes some throws, but it's like he underthrows guys. I mean, he did it again yesterday. And part of it is the play calling. I don't understand the play calling at all. Even yesterday with like his ADOT is among one of the fewest in, in the league in the NFL, but yet he does take those deep shots. But when he does, they seem to be underthrown. But there was a lot of just lateral plays, throws behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage. And I think that he had fewer than 100 yards of offense heading into the final quarter. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, one play to Quez Watkins. And then you're in the red zone and away you go. Uh, yeah, I don't understand Philly either. That was one of the games that I certainly had wrong yesterday. I thought Carolina, I was thinking it was a trap. I was looking at that one and I was looking at the Packers. I was like, how are these teams just favored by two and a half and three? Like, shouldn't they find a way to win? But Carolina didn't do anything on offense either. Like Sam Darnold looked like the old Sam Darnold. He made brutal throws, uh, credit to the Eagles got some pressure on him, but neither team did anything offensively, but that was a surprise because even though, Carolina was struggling struggling on offense. I still thought that they were going to be able to close out that game, and all of a sudden, they're losing for the first time with a couple minutes left. I think that they'll be better with McCaffrey likely to come back this week, sure. that all of a sudden that, that dynamic on the offense is a little bit better. Maybe they get the offensive line back a little bit healthy, too. I think the saving grace for the Chiefs right now is that the Broncos and Raiders are a lot worse than maybe they look through three weeks, that they kind of beat up on some cupcake teams. I mean, the Raiders... Yeah, they pull one out. I mean, the Steelers are not good. Uh, we just kind of, we've kind of seen that. Oh. So, you know, they end up beating them on the week when Pittsburgh had like half their defense out as well. So there's an upset. They beat Baltimore at home in a Monday night game that goes to overtime. Just weird stuff happened that entire time. They've kind of settled back into where they're going to be. They're probably maybe slightly above, around, or slightly below 500. Denver kind of seems to be the same way too. Maybe when Jerry Judy comes back, which could be pretty soon, that maybe they'll get their offense back on track. And, you know, they had a chance to at least tie that game early or late, very, very late when they finally started making their push. And then Teddy threw the pick in the end zone. And, you know, they were down by eight. They still would have needed the two anyway. But if those two teams aren't going to challenge with the Chargers for the AFC West, like the Chiefs can just kind of tread water beat the crap out of those teams in the four games that they play and they'll be in the playoffs. No problem. So I don't think that they're sweating it too much. Yeah, they're probably not, but um, at the same time it is, they need to string together some wins, but I'm looking at the schedule. You're right. It does get a little softer for them. I mean, they played three really solid teams in Baltimore, the chargers and the bills. And, you know, they just happened to lose those games. Uh, they did beat Cleveland in week one, but yeah, you got Washington, Tennessee, and the Giants. So the, those are three wins. Green Bay will be tougher for them. That's going to be a game that they're going to need to have though. 
And then in Las Vegas, the team that they lost to last season and almost lost to twice, I would give them the benefit of the doubt to win that game. And then the Cowboys, that'll be an interesting one. Week 11 at home against Dallas before they're by. Then they wrap up pretty soft as well. Denver, Las Vegas, they'll have the Chargers again. Pittsburgh, Cincy, and Denver. So, I'm, I mean, I'm not concerned overall that they're, like, they're going to be a playoff team. But over, man, I, I, if I'm ranking, and I'm not trying to over-exaggerate, like the Bills and the Chargers are certainly ahead of them because they can play defense. Like, they have defensive players that are playing really strong. You can run all over KC, and clearly you can throw all over them too. It's true, but they have an awful lot of time to figure this stuff out. And they do. When it yep. boils down to it, give me Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, but it's sort of like a malaise right now. It feels like once they figure out, and maybe they will not figure out any sort of defensive scheme that will work for them, if they can just patch it together a little bit, maybe start a little bit hotter in some of these games, then some of the problems are solved. It's all about staying healthy. I don't think that the Clyde Edwards-Alaire injury is that big of a deal to them. Uh, Tyreek and Kelsey injuries might be a bit more problematic. Uh, So we'll see how those guys shape up because they both ended up on the injury report. Anything else straight from the games before we jump into the waiver wire? Uh, No, I don't think so. It it is weird to see the the Chiefs start so slow. It's been, it feels like 15 of their last 17 games, they've been playing from behind. Like, don't you think every single week, it's like, oh, wow, this team has to come from behind again. And most times they do. Even looking last night, I was thinking, even though I was on the Bills, it's like they're down, they're making that drive last night with, I think Kelsey had a big catch to extend the drive and then they find a way to get a touchdown and they're down 11 points or something like that. And I feel like they still had no business winning the game. And I just checked to see what the odds are like, ah, maybe I'll lot bet this. And they're basically favorite. I'm like, wait, what? The respect that Vegas gives this team is wild because they've covered, I think three of their last 16 games dating back to November 1st. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. It, it's certainly going to make for a fun fantasy environment on e- either side, right? You're going to feel better about opposing players going up against them. And you're always going to start the chief studs. Waiver wire running backs. Once again, you can find the full list up on dknation.com. I'll link that down in the description once the article is published for the video for the podcast. If it's not out in time, then it's not getting linked because once the podcast is out, you can't really change the description. So dknation.com, if you're looking for it, I'll tweet it out as well. Uh, and the newsletter where I have this full injury report, it's just a list, just like the running back snap share list in the game notes. That's available down in the description as well. I encourage you to subscribe to that newsletter, just like I encourage you to subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Here's what I got for injuries at the running back position. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who we just talked about, exited the game. Saquon Barkley, man, his ankle looked brutal. He's week to week. Uh, I would expect him to miss at least one week, probably more. I was consulting with my buddy, Dr. Jesse Morse on this one. He's like, I'd be shocked if it wasn't at least two weeks. And we'll see once the actual MRI ends up coming out. Damian Harris left that game twice with a chest injury, came back the first time, then had to leave again. Positive news about him, at least from what Stevenson said after the game that you know, maybe he'll end up being back we'll talk about that situation in a sec McCaffrey should return this week after missing the week same as Dalvin Cook Chris Carson we do not know yet with his neck injury he could be put on IR he could play next week for all we know Justin Jackson missed week five and Rex Burkhead missed week five no one really cares about those two guys so at the running back position top five in terms of running back pickups Latavius Murray still only owned like 40 percent of leagues for whatever reason he's the number one pickup just wow. pick up pick up Latavius Murray Devontae Booker is number two. Daryl Williams is number three. Obviously, this could change if we learn more about the Clyde Edwards-Alaire injury. I think he's going to be out for a bit. Who knows? Khalil Herbert 
At number four, with David Montgomery on IR and him out-snapping and out-touching Damian Williams, although he didn't score the touchdown. Uh, A.J. Dillon at five. Then it got, like, Brandon Bolden, Jarek McKinnon, Jeremy McNichols, Sony Michelle, Samaj P. Ryan at number 10. I suppose if you need a running back to start, I mean, even Latavius Murray. You're going to start Latavius Murray regardless at this point until the Ravens throw another monkey wrench into it. For the next two weeks, though, or at least the next week, Booker will be the better play. It's just three weeks from now, he could be useless again. Yeah, exactly. Right. It could be like Chuba Hubbard. Maybe you got one more week out of him and he looked okay yesterday against the Eagles and then CMC comes back, but who knows, man, with Saquon, it's, it's, I, I, like I said, I thought it was a bit of a freak injury. Um, it, like the play had already happened and he was like looking back and walking and basically rolled his ankle on another guy's foot. Like, um, but this could be, I mean, like your guy, like Dr. Jesse says, I mean, this could be, it, a week to week thing. It could be a three to four week thing. So you could have Booker for, for a couple weeks. Now the giants are good, but Booker has been into a role before Pat, where he has acted like a bell cow back in Denver. He put together a couple decent seasons. I know one year in Denver, he had like 5.4 yards for uh, attempt. He had 30 plus catches actually taking a look. Now he's got uh, three th- seasons with 30 plus catches, like 51 targets, 38 grabs. Like he may not be a really good back, but you know that he's probably going to touch the ball at least 17 times. Like if he's playing the next two to three weeks without Saquon, he'll probably finish inside the top 10 over the next two to three weeks in overall opportunities. That's just like attempts and targets. So yeah, maybe more than a week, maybe more than a week play. Uh, It could be two, three week thing. If it is, then he probably becomes the number one pickup. We just don't know the extent of Barkley's injury. I'm just going to guesstimate that it's two weeks for the moment. And you have Gary Brightwell, the rookie who could eat into his time. Like from the snap shares yesterday, Booker actually played the highest percent of snaps of any running back in the league. It was 88%. Camaro was 87%. Then it was Derrick Henry at 77, Miles Sanders at 75, and DeAndre Swift at 73%. The full list, again, available in the link in the description inside the Mayo Media newsletter. Sub to that right now, or just go check out the list if you want to. But there's a chance that he gets split up by Brightwell or they sign someone to bring in like uh, Wayne Gallman's not really doing much in Atlanta. Uh, maybe they end up cutting him. He goes back to the giants. Like there is a path here where he's not getting 98% sure. of the giants touches. And that's what you would want him to be doing. Like he is a pure volume play only. And with Murray, to think about it, I mean, we don't know what happens in the Monday night game. Yeah, maybe he gets hurt. Maybe Tyson Williams is all of a sudden like back. Maybe they use Le'Veon Bell. But it just seems like when they're inside the five-yard line, Latavius is getting the ball for the Ravens. And that doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. No, he's the guy. Like, he's the number one guy. I'm surprised to hear that ownership. Uh, yeah, I've liked what I've seen from him since day one, right away. When he was pulled in week one, on he was basically with the team for like a day or two. And he was getting a lot of important touches inside the red zone. He had back-to-back red zone opportunities where in week to week that he converted for touchdowns. Tyson had a couple fumbles and really like lucky that they didn't go the wrong way. One went out of bounds. One was recovered inside the red zone and they just didn't seem like they trusted him to pass protect and to block for Lamar Jackson. And he was inactive last week. I don't know if he'll even be active again this week. So Latavius, I think, what did he have? Like 18 carries last week? He was fine. He didn't get any targets. I'd like to see him you know, catch a couple balls. Certainly he can, but it seemed like they were using Bell in that way. And it was just a very small, limited role for Lev Bell, but he was running more routes than him and playing more third down. So we'll we'll see what's the case, what the case will be tonight. I don't expect them to play from behind against the Colts. So it could be Latavius racking up another 18 or 20 attempts. And then before I came on, I don't know, Schefter said that 
Baltimore is getting a ton of calls on all their running backs. So I don't think they're going to trade anybody, but maybe Tyson is a guy that they flip but, and they would open up things more. But I don't think Tyson even is going to be active tonight. I'm just purely speculating. But yeah, you can feel good about Latavius. So you have to watch out for Baltimore because Cuss free money teaser hinges on Baltimore oh, no. covering the minus one uh, when he ended up teasing them <laughs> down. So expect a Colts victory in this game uh, if the history of the Enders goes well. Daryl Williams, Khalil Herbert, A.J. Dillon, Brandon Bolden, three, four, five, six. I don't know the extent of Damian Harris's injury. It really doesn't seem like they want to use Stevenson at all. J.J. Taylor's in the doghouse. Like, Bolden continues to play. He doesn't do anything. But if Harris is out, maybe he ends up becoming the pass. I would just prefer to exercise myself from that entire situation, just not have to worry about it. Do you think Herbert, this Khalil Herbert guy ends up getting more run than Damian Williams moving forward? You know what? He may. I, w- I watched that game pretty closely because I had a lot of Damian Williams and a Herbert in one deeper format where I was unable to get Williams. And you know what? He looked pretty good. He looked really good. He he deserved all the play that he got. I, You know, you talked about him not getting in the end zone and he marched them up the field the entire way. And it looked like they were going to run a play with him inside. I think it was like at the five. And I believe Las Vegas called a timeout. Uh, and then when they came back on the field, it was Damian Williams in there. And then he had the spin move and he, and he found the end zone. I think it is just going to be like a 50-50 split. I think people that are ranking Damian Williams, like myself, as like an, a, a high-end RB2, where I had him right around that RB14-15 mark. I think, you know, this week I won't have him that way because, like I said, I mean, Herbert, he, he hung in there. He, there was a, another play where it looked like Fields is absolutely going to get rocked. And he picked up the blitz. So that's that's huge, especially for a young player to be able to do that. But I think if I am projecting, I give the slight edge to Damian as a, the veteran back that maybe they will throw in there in the red zone. But, man, it's this is really close to a 50-50 split. And I think that it's going to be like that until we see Dave Montgomery come back. And who knows? There's some reports out of Chicago that he may not even come back this year. So Herbert should certainly be a pickup. Yeah, he's he's not the priority pickup if you need someone, if you have the bench room. Like, would you pick up Khalil Herbert or Daryl Williams right now? Just not knowing the extent of the Clyde Edwards-Lair injury. I would pick up Herbert. I know that Chicago wants to run. They do. I don't know. Casey's just going <laughs> to sling it. Casey's just going to throw, 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 because like we talked about, the defense is trash. So uh, I, I, would pick up, I would pick up Herbert knowing that it's certainly a, a multiple, at least another three weeks for game Montgomery so I think you know it's probably short term but it's I think it's you're you're gonna get more touches you get more opportunity from him well would you then prioritize Jarek over Daryl Williams if you think that that he is going to be the pass catching back like looking at the routes run from the Sunday night game and Jarek didn't really do anything until Clyde Edwards Alaire got hurt 24 routes for Daryl Williams 22 routes for Jarek maybe he's the answer yeah maybe he is I I I yeah, because they're going to be playing from behind, although we just looked at that schedule. So just thinking about it a little bit more now, we looked at that schedule. It is pretty soft. So maybe Williams maybe Williams gets a little bit more run than, than Jarek McKinnon. It does seem like that's all they want to use McKinnon, though, in the, in the pass-catching role. I don't know if he'll ever get red zone opportunities or touches. Williams, even last week against the Eagles when CEH looked good, Williams got a lot of run. I was surprised with how much play he got in what was a very competitive game. A lot of red zone usage so maybe i'll i'll lean williams there over mckinnon but in a full point ppr league it's you're definitely talking about a 
it's a conversation. Uh, three other guys just of note down the list. I have Jeremy McNichols at number eight. He's probably the top handcuff now that Devontae Booker is you know, thrust into a starting role. Uh, he's being used anyway on the Titans. I don't know how, I don't know if he'd hold up to like 32 carries like Derrick Henry gets, but he'd probably get like 25 touches if Derrick Henry somehow went down with an injury. So there's potential upside there. Jared Patterson in Washington. Obviously, Antonio Gibson's dealing with the shin injury. It doesn't seem to be affecting him, but should anything happen, I wouldn't expect JD McKissick to take over the Gibson role. I would expect it to be Jared Patterson. And then Divine Ozigbo, he's back. And he has somehow replaced Dwayne Washington. Washington as the primary backup to Elvin Kamara. He was the one touching the ball when Kamara wasn't with Tony Jones's injury. So just as a very, very, very deep stash, like 16, 18 team, you don't need to pick him up in like any real leagues, but he could potentially be the next man up while Tony Jones is out should anything happen to Elvin Kamara. If you dread looking at credit card statements, you're not alone. The weight of debt can be crippling. But Upstart can help you on your path to financial freedom. Upstart's the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Rather than looking at credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, current employment, and credit history to find a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash mayo. That's upstart.com slash mayo. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Upstart.com slash mayo. Wide receivers for the pickups. Actually, we'll do injuries first. And again, the full injury list available in the description. Just hit the link to the newsletter and boom, you got it all. Tyree Kill hurt his knee in the Sunday night game. No idea how serious that is. We'll hear more on that during the week. Kenny Galladay left the Giants game. That is not expected to be serious. He should play this week. Curtis Samuel exited the game for Washington. I mean, he re- he was he came into the game with a shoulder injury and he then re-aggravated his groin, which put him on IR to begin the season. I don't know if he's going to play again this year, which is just go, go get yourself healthy, Curtis Samuel, and come back to us next year. So I've dropped him from any pickups list. You can feel free to drop him. Juju might be done for the season with his shoulder injury. They're talking about placing him on IR already and that he might not come back. Deontay Harris exited the Saints game with a hamstring injury. However, they go on bye this week and coming out of the bye, both Traquan and get this, mm. Michael Thomas eligible to return it sounds like michael thomas is coming back so that could potentially be huge news for anyone who has continued to stash him i went and looked up his ownership he's still owned like 85 percent of leagues which stunned me but i don't know how well he's going to do in the saints offense but it's still michael thomas and if he is healthy yeah you're you're gonna want to play him (laughs) oh for sure yeah absolutely you're gonna want to play him I'm I'm interested. Like that's something I'm gonna really have my eye on when they come out of the bye to see what this Saints offense looks like. Is it gonna be very much the same, which has been run heavy? Like nobody is running the ball more. They had the highest run percentage in the league, 
heading into this week and also um, just playing at a very, very slow pace. I mean, Alvin Kamara is doing things that he's never done before. I mean, the efficiency is not there, but he's on pace to have his best ever rushing season. He's getting a lot of attempts on the ground. He got some work out of the air, you know, through the air yesterday, which was nice to see after coming off a game with zero targets for the first time in his NFL career week four. But yeah, we'll see. Michael Thomas is there on the field. I, I would expect Jameis I would expect Sean Payton to allow Jameis to throw the football a little bit more. We saw a couple deep shots yesterday. One was a Hail Mary. Like the deep ball I thought would be back in the Saints offense. Not that I feel like Michael Thomas is a big deep threat guy, but I think it'll he's a guy you definitely want to play. But I think it could open up things for like a guy like Marcus Callaway now who doesn't have to face top coverage. So good news for the Saints. That That is true, especially if Callaway can stay ahead of Traquan with Harris out for the at least foreseeable future. Quintez Cephas hurt his shoulder and was carted off for the Lions. That left more room for Khalif Raymond and Amon Ross St. Brown to go run around on the field. Uh, then you got Kelvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Julio Jones, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, uh, Diami Brown, and James Washington all missed week five. So the pickup rankings shouldn't be a surprise. I think we all kind of underrated how good Kadarius Tony is. He's good at throwing punches. Yeah. He's good at getting double-digit targets. I do, we'll, we'll circle back to Tony here in a second. So it's Tony, Tim Patrick, Hunter Renfro, one, two, three. I'm on Ross St. Brown, Jamison Crowder, who's on by, Van Jefferson, Rashad Bateman, Darnell Mooney Thunes, Marquez Calloway, and Christian Kirk. Then you have Rondell Moore, and then you get to like the deeper guys, like DeAndre Carter ran a ton of routes and saw some action for Washington. And if Brown's going to be out, Sims is going to be out, and Samuel is going to be out, he's going to be playing him and Hump Daddy. So DeAndre Carter, Chris Conley for the Texans, I don't know how sustainable that is. KJ Osborne, Zach Pascal, Terrace Marshall, all just very, very deep type players. You're not targeting these guys in 12, maybe even 14 team leagues, depending on the depth of the bench. But back to Tony. What's his role once Slayton and Shepard return? Because that could, I mean, we're, we're all excited. Oh man, double digit targets. He's the, they essentially, the Giants essentially once Barkley went out of the game and Gallaudet went down, they switched to the Bel Air high offense, like the pass it to Will offense. He was the only guy doing anything. <laughs> That's good. I asked the same question to Jake last week after this game, right? He's the big Giants guy. It's all I've heard him say for years is, is that Shepard can't play outside. Shepard can't play outside. When he comes back, he's going to have to play in the slot. And then Kadarius takes a bit of a back seat. But I don't know. Like, how could you not play this guy? Like, how can you not find ways to get him involved in the offense? He's such a terrific route runner. And he's very explosive after the catch. I mean, to have 22 targets here in, in two games and 16 grabs, like, man, like almost 300 yards. Like, how, again, how could you not play him? But I, I really, truly don't know. He's just He looks like a much better Sterling Shepard. Like, Shepard has been great in the slot. He was a guy that... Daniel Jones is throwing the ball to quite a bit is another guy that finds, you know, kind of wide open spaces, five to 10 yards, you know, down the field there in the middle of the field. And it's, it's an easy completion for Jones. I mean, who knows is, is Jones going to be the quarterback next week? There's a lot of question marks when it comes to this giants team, but looking ahead at the schedule, I mean, you got the Rams. It's a tough matchup. Uh, if he is playing in the slot, Jalen Ramsey's played in the slot uh, all year and he really hasn't shadowed. Uh, Carolina, KC, Las Vegas. So there's some decent games coming up and some tougher ones as well on that schedule. He's certainly an ad, a pickup. I think that, you know, maybe they have to move the more veteran experienced wide receiver on the outside shepherd like LaVisca. LaVisca had played in the slot all year. He had a small A, very small A dot. DJ Chark left last week and they did some things with him. But yesterday they just played him on the outside and he wasn't really targeted at all. So if Canarius Tony's a guy that's just going to move on the outside, it's going to be a position that's going to be very new and unfamiliar with him. So 
you know, you could temper expectations, but I'm looking ahead at this Giants team. I don't believe in Kenny Galladay. Shepard has always been hurt. So Kadarius Tony, I like the outlook for him the rest of the way is if he's healthy and even if Shepard and Galladay are on the field, I think it's a guy like Slayton who takes a step back. Like you gotta, you gotta find a way to get this guy the ball because man, you saw it yesterday. He's pretty good. You you brought up the key name was the question that I wanted to ask you is that maybe it's not even really a question. It's more of a statement for me. There are a few things in this world as it pertains to fantasy football that make me happier than LaVisca Chenault being absolute trash. I love it. Because <laughs> what is it just because everyone loves him so much? Yeah, I, I just I never like, I'm not I, really doing anything. Yeah, I never understood it. And it's just like, oh man, yeah. he's he's so good. They're gonna get him. He's not that good. I'm sorry. Maybe he like in seven <laughs> years time he can be Cordero Patterson somewhere, but it is not on this <laughs> Jags team. <laughs> no. And yesterday, uh, yeah, he had the one catch, and the one catch was explosive. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, had the over on his receiving yard prop. I I feel like I lucked out there. I got it by one yard, but the dude wasn't involved at all. And sometimes you see this with, you know, young wide receivers who have a role inside the slot, like you just talked about with this situation in New York. And then you move on the outside and, you know, you just can't handle top coverage. We saw it with Juju a couple of years ago. Like, remember how good Juju was with Antonio Brown? He had a lot of soft coverage, but he was in the slot and he was awesome. And then Antonio Brown left and he had to go on the outside and he faced top coverage and he was brutal. Like he was pathetic. Uh, and he hasn't been good ever since, I don't think. So yeah, LaVisca. Man, his I, I went into some head-to-heads. I play a lot of cash. I'm kind of boring. I went into some head-to-heads and some 50-50s, some double-ups. And people were rocking LaVisca. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. We're really expecting big things. But the Jags have kind of turned into a run-heavy team over the past couple of weeks. Like James Robinson. Finally starting to realize to give the ball to James Robinson unless, you know, you're fourth and four or whatever, <laughs> fourth and goal, and they decide to throw in Carlos Hyde. That was fucking unbelievable uh, but james robinson is at least getting a lot of touches and they're running the ball a bit more oh yeah it's yeah, J- urban meyer like how is urban meyer still have a job pat like how I, is this guy honestly still have a job i mean the off the field stuff being one thing that's probably dismissal anyway but it's on the, the on, it's the on the field stuff bad. that should be getting him fired i mean there's 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 one thing the yes. jags enjoy to do it's being down by 20 and establishing the run with james robinson <laughs> Good for James Robinson owners. Not great for the prospects of the Jags actually winning games at this point. So, I mean, keep playing James Robinson. He seems to be pretty good. My guy, Tarzan Dan Arnold. Just keep rocking him out there. I I, I bet a bunch on Delvin Cook unders everywhere, just praying he would be active because they kept hanging numbers out there. And all he had to do was be activated. And I just cash in, essentially. And then he was deemed inactive at the last second. So all I did was basically take all that money and I bet on Ricky Seals Jones overs, Dan Arnold overs, and then parlayed them together. And they all hit within the first half. It was just like, this is the best day ever. (laughs) Good call. That's super smart by you. Uh, I'm not surprised. You take these low end guys that nobody's really thinking about. You see their catch props sometimes like one and a half, like Zach Ertz is one and a half yesterday. He unfortunately had a drop. Khalif Raymond is a guy that I've been going to at like two and a half at plus money. These guys that are just, yeah. I mean, it's easy to say, Oh, Tyree kill at six and a half or, Justin Jefferson, seven and a half, Devontae Adams, seven and a half. But you could really, I mean, if you go dig and you can find some value, I'm glad you brought up Dan Arnold because maybe we can talk about him more with tight ends. Oh, but we it's, will. It's very clear. It's very clear, though, that the Jags, the t- whoever the tight end is in this offense, is going to be involved. I think Manhurts got a touchdown week one. O'Shaughnessy, James O'Shaughnessy had like a career day in week one. I know it was the Texans, but even Dan Arnold two weeks ago, Pat, was traded there and was there for like a minute. Didn't even really practice the team. I think he was like two days with the squad. 
limited role, but man, when he was on the field, they threw to him, and yesterday they clearly threw to him. They did, and now he gets Miami and London this week. Miami sucks against the middle of the field. Didn't really pan out for Cameron Braid or O.J. Howard, but just look where, where Brady was throwing the ball. It was either inside the seams or slightly outside the seams or just chucking it up to Evans, who they had no answer for. But that's where they that's where Miami has just been getting obliterated all year. Looking at the routes run for the Jags yesterday, Marvin Jones led everyone 66 snaps, although he didn't do anything, ran 33 routes. Uh, Chenault was 52 and 23. Dan Arnold was 52 and 30 routes run he played the same amount of routes yeah. as Chenault but or same amount of snaps but actually ran more routes by pretty significant margin he, played, he ran seven more routes ended up with eight targets the most targeted guy on the team so I, I just think that is a a spot where you want to go target right now he's not number one in my tight end pickup rankings because I do have one more we'll get to that in a sec but I, I have one more question for yeah. you you mentioned the Saints run the ball a ton no one is now running the ball more than Chicago. Chicago does not want to throw the ball whatsoever. But they're not running with Justin Fields, which is mind-boggling. And as long as they're within probably two scores in these games, they're going to be like the Jags and just continue to run anyway. So what do you do with Allen Robinson besides bench him? Like, do you try to trade for oh, him? Man. Do you try to get whatever you can for him? Because I have Allen Robinson in a bunch of leagues. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't even play this guy. I know I have him in a dynasty league and I've been floating him out there and people are just super sour on the outlook I, of, of uh, Justin. Fields. I, I, w- I would buy him in dynasty. I think that's a good buy. Yeah. I'm trying like fine. I finally got a W yesterday in one of my dynasty leagues with like Eckler and Kamara and Godwin. You think my team would be okay with Allen Robinson as like my third wide out OBJs on that squad too. I'm frustrated with him, but I don't know what you do from out with Allen Robinson from a season long. I don't think I want him. Like, I don't think I'm buying, like I'm thinking, what should I trade him and just get whatever I can get? The only way I would do that is if you're getting him to be your third or your flex. Like you have to readjust your rest of the season rankings for Allen Robinson. Really good wide receiver, back-to-back seasons as a top 10 wide receiver in each of the last two seasons, catching balls from Trubisky and Nick Foles. You think an upgrade here, whether it was Dalton or Justin Fields, but I see the same thing that you see. They don't trust Fields to throw the football. He's not running and they just want to run. They just want to run and run and I don't know. I saw it a little bit more yesterday where Justin Fields threw it to Allen Robinson. Even, you know, there was one point in double coverage where he just trusted him and he threw it up in the air. And Robinson actually made a couple really strong catches that maybe normally he would drop and his day would be even worse. I'm saying no. Like I was thinking about both of these guys two weeks ago, Robert Woods and Allen Robinson. I both wrote them up as by lows. Now the window is closed on Woods, but Robinson now I'm just a little sour. I just... I see what you see, man. They're they're running the football, and I don't know where the upside is in this offense. They're not going to get into too many shootouts. Fields is not going to have too many games where he throws more than 35 times, 30 times. So what's the outlook? Robinson, what we liked over the years is that he was getting targeted, right? He was like the upside may not seem as high, but he was a guy that you could just pencil in for eight to 10 targets week in and week out, and that's just not the case anymore. So get him if you want, but he better just be your third or your flex. Healthy snacks have a bad reputation. And let's be honest, most don't taste very good. Yeah, that's a thing. They don't fill you up, and they certainly do not satisfy your cravings. This episode is sponsored by Monk Pack, who makes snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. I don't even do keto, but it's just better for me, and I feel better when I have the Monk Packs rather than eating this garbage from the grocery store. So you can get the Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars. They contain just one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories. They're gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, non-GMO, with no soy, trans fats, sugar alcohols, or high-intensity sweeteners. 
This is what I eat after I go work out, whether it's a run, whether it's a lift. I just pump the Monk Pack bars into me and I feel great afterwards. I'm not giving back all the calories that I've just burned and I do feel full. And they're perfect for a quick breakfast between Zoom calls, a guilt-free dessert, whatever it is. They taste incredible. They're really, really good. Most of these ones just taste like absolute garbage, but not Monk Pack. And you can't beat the low sugar nutrition that they provide. And by shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store by getting Monk Pack delivered right to your door. I'm obsessed with these bars and I probably eat more than I should, but that's okay. To make sure that I'm always fully stocked, I signed up for a subscription to my favorite flavors, which saves me 10% on every order and ships them automatically to me. Try it for yourself and you'll see. And we have a special deal for the listeners of the Pat Mayo Experience. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code MAYO at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't like it, for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, go to M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K dot com and select any product then enter the code mayo at checkout to save 20 percent off your purchase monk pack delicious nutritious food you can count on and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast look no one's perfect even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded the best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament out of the line so if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes it's perfectly okay but if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash Mayo now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Mayo and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash Mayo now to get 15% off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash Mayo. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. Alex Collins, I completely forgot about in the running backs because I assumed he was over 60% owned. He is not over 60% owned right now. So let's just circle back to running backs for a second. Would you pick up, because we don't know how long Chris Carson's going to be out. He could be back next week. He'd be placed on IR with a neck injury. So that's really up in the air at the moment. Alex Collins played, let me try to find it here, 72% of the snaps with DJ Wiki Wiki Dallas coming in at 20% of the snap share for the Seattle Seahawks. So he's clearly the lead guy without Chris Carson yeah. around. And there's like, would you go Khalil Herbert, Daryl Williams, or Alex Collins right now? Just a blind pickup. Uh, I think I go Herbert. I think I go Herbert Collins and then Williams. Yeah. Colin, I, I some, I'm, I'm just speculating. There's some reports in Seattle that this could be a significant neck thing for Chris Carson, even though I saw him on the field warming up, like as if he was maybe going to try to play that game on Thursday night, but that could be a thing that could linger. And he was already kind of on the down. I feel like he was declining. Like he was getting some touches, but he wasn't playing third down. He wasn't getting targeted. I know that was Travis Homer who was getting in there, but he was starting to lose a little bit of, of the snaps anyways. 
I don't know, man. I think Seattle could be in a ton of trouble if they shut him down and Russ misses six weeks. It just could be like a heavy dose of Collins out of the backfield. Maybe Gino, who looked good. I'll be honest. Oh, he looked boy. pretty good peppering it to DK. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I don't love Gio, Gino. But one thing I think he could feel good if about DK, if you're a DK owner, is that he clearly just, I mean, why wouldn't you? If you're inexperienced and you're just getting in there, where's 14? Where's DK? Like Lockett's the guy I think that's going to, I think you're going to see him suffer without Russell Wilson. But to answer your point, your question, I think Collins. Tight ends right now. Uh, Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox have graduated from the their owned in too many leagues. They can't be on the waiver wires anymore. So tight ends. Travis Kelsey's dealing with a stinger. No word on how serious that is yet. Doesn't sound too serious. Max with two X's. Williams uh, got carted off with a knee injury for the Cardinals. George Kittles on IR. He's out at least three weeks. Maybe more with this calf injury. Gronk missed the game. Big Big Al O has been placed on IR, so now I can go another three weeks without having to learn his name. Tower Croft missed the game for the Jets. I think it's there's the two pickups, then there's everyone else right now. You have Ricky Seals-Jones and Dan Arnold, one and two, with Logan Thomas on IR. Ricky Seals-Jones just being used. He had two end zone targets as well and just couldn't convert on them. They get the Chiefs this week too so that's a nice spot dan arnold's just becoming a fixture in this offense like you go trade for a guy and you use him a bunch and shark's gonna be out seems like he's gonna be the wide receiver two wide receiver three but he gets tight end eligibility so that's great then i go conklin hunter henry evan ingram smelly dwelly pat firemouth and then cj Uzma. you don't want those guys you want ricky seals jones and dan arnold yeah you do and uh I, i've been telling a couple weeks now on, on my show is robert tanyan like sucks you have robert tanyan Yes. <laughs> like, make that switch immediately. You know what his receiving yard prop was yesterday? It was the easiest bet I've ever made. 37 and a half. Really? 37 and a half for Robert Tunyon, who had only topped eight yards once this season. He Two for eight, three for 52, one for six, two for eight, one for eight. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe books are just like, eh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Robert Tunyon, they'll, they'll hook up and they'll have that big game. But it was clear uh, that there was going to be a regression in this offense, not just from Rodgers, but for Tanya and catching. I mean, he had a three touchdown game or a four touchdown game once last year. His ownership is 68%. Like make that switch. Don't that's the, that's the one thing I noticed with fantasy. And, and I said that two weeks ago, it's like, well, I drafted Robert Tanya in the eighth or the ninth. And it's like, just cut your losses. Like it's, it's fine. You have, you're still time to move on from this. So Robert Tanya, John U. Smith, Hunter Henry had a nice solid game. I'd, I'd continue to rock him and hold him. Um, even Evan Ingram, like what's, what's the deal with Evan Ingram? Like, I know, I know what the deal is. He's not good. So that's he a stinks. problem. He's yeah. awful. Yeah. These big name guys that are, you're just hanging on. It's all the tight end position is so weak. It's just all about opportunity and volume. Pat, you rattled off the routes run there from Darren Arnold, Ricky seals, Jones, uh, Logan Thomas is on IR. He's going to miss a couple weeks. It could be longer. We just talked about Curtis Samuel. Maybe we're just, who's going to be the number two in this offense, man. It, it could be Ricky Seals Jones. And if this guy's going to get eight or nine targets, heck, if he's going to give me six, it's way more than these other guys that are higher owned that are just bigger names wasting away on your roster. QB and defense streams. I'm going to give you a list. I have these ranked, but so these are my rankings, but you tell me your single favorite one of these quarterbacks. And we'll make it quick. Tower Heineke. At home against Kansas City. The Goof, Jared Goff, at home against Cincinnati. Baker Mayfield, at home against Arizona. Sam Darnold, at home against Minnesota. Justin Fields, at home against Green Bay. Then you got Trevor Lawrence and Tua, who is expected back this week, playing each other in London. Who's your favorite of that group? Probably Sam Darnold. I think a bounce back. 
Pennsylvania Vikings, right? Yeah, yeah. soft secondary. That's the I, guy I would go with. I, I would go with Heineke just against Kansas City. Why not? <laughs> it's close. It it was close to me. It was both of those. I think we both we I think we have both quarterbacks in the uh, league of leagues. So we'll uh, we'll flip a coin on which one to rock. But they're both very uh, startable. Moving forward, I mean, I think they're better than streamers. All right, let's see. Uh, defenses: Dallas at New England, Miami against Jacksonville, Indianapolis against Houston, Carolina against Minnesota. Dallas, <laughs> like Cowboys defense, good. Pat? Question mark. I think it, might it, be. it is. I mean, and New yeah. England kind of sucks. <laughs> what the heck happened in that game? They, I streamed them. I picked them up. Thought it was being all cute and put Julio on IR last week. It's like, yeah, I'll pick up the Pats against Davis Mills, Belichick and rookie quarterbacks. Mills is going to struggle. And he carved them up. Like he really did. I mean, that was one of the most surprising takeaways for me in week five. Not that I thought New England's defense was phenomenal. Like they were second in pass DVOA and they haven't played anyone great. That was the thing. And it's like, but they're still good. They could generate pressure and Mills is not good. And who's going to catch the ball outside of Cooks and all these guys were catching passes and bringing it to the house yesterday. It was like crazy, but Dallas is absolutely absolutely legit, man. They are. They're going to be. Um, they're going to be a twelve or thirteen win team. They they're uh, unbelievable on offense. I'm most impressed with them. Like the Chargers, sure. The Bills, sure. Uh, but for me, the Cowboys, what they can do defensively and what they've been doing on offense is very impressive. And nobody, their schedule. They've already went through the tough part. Really, their schedule is. They just play the NFC East to wrap up the season. No, maybe maybe Washington will give them problems with their lack of defense. I I had a big swing and miss on Dallas coming into the year. I just thought they were overhyped. Although I love their offense, I didn't think I didn't think that their defense would be like remotely. It's not like they have an elite defense, but it's fine, and that's all good enough. When you have, I mean, how much would the Chiefs love to have Dallas's defense at this point? Oh my goodness. Yeah, they would. Right. Um, damn. Mika Parsons playing really good. Trayvon Diggs had another pick yesterday. Uh, he is actually, he's just an elite corner. I think teams will maybe stop throwing his way, but yeah, the defense looks, I don't know, Dan Quinn, I guess like he just, I don't know, gives him, gives him a little bit of an identity. I mean, they've drafted some guys, you know, they've kind of gotten it over the past couple of years to draft defensive players. <laughs> uh, even though Zeke looks pretty good, but yeah, I mean, they look overall as their complete team. Uh, Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones, and Taysom Hill all got injured yesterday at quarterback. Burrow was taken to the hospital after the game with a throat contusion. I have no idea what that means or what that means for him. I think he's going to play. I don't know if we see Daniel Jones again for a bit. Uh, he got rocked. And then so did Taysom Hill. So, But they're, they're going on by. Russell Wilson was placed on injured reserve. He's out six to eight weeks. Just very briefly from DraftKings Sportsbook, we have the early spreads. If you're not on DraftKings Sportsbook, use code PME, and you'll get like some sort of super discount for being a first-time player of things where you like bet a dollar and get $150 for free, even if you don't win. So stuff like that if you use code PME uh, when you go deposit at DraftKings Sportsbook. Here's the early line that stuck out to me the most. The Chargers are three-and-a-half-point underdogs in Baltimore next week. <laughs> Hammer it. Bet it now. Yeah. They're better than Baltimore. Like even, better than Baltimore. E- even if Baltimore better, runs yeah, train yeah. on the Colts tonight, like I can't see that line moving all yeah. that much. No, I mean, maybe it could. No, I agree. I was thinking maybe it could get to four, four and a half if, if Baltimore wins by 25 or 30 points here tonight. But I don't I don't even think they do that, uh, especially with Cuss picking them, um, teasing them down to just to win by a point. Uh, yeah, Chargers, man. Staley. Oh, I just, I love it. And even watching the game yesterday, there are some, I, I love when teams go for it on fourth down. I, I, I get it, man. He's, he's one of the new 
he's just so refreshing as a coach, like to, to even not to get into analytics here on the show, but just, yeah, I mean, we got a better opportunity here to go for in fourth and fourth and two or fourth and three. They did that a couple of times. Did you see the play in the third quarter when they're down two scores, there's still so much time left and they're on their 20 or 22 and they still do it. And to me, it was like, Wow. Okay. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't do it here. Your no, defense is good. You I, kick see, it away. So, no, man, but, I, I completely disagree. Like if you know, you can get it and you have the play, then do it. Like they had, well, they, that's they, what, they weren't that's being what stopped. <laughs> no, they weren't. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they're very confident in what they can do on offense They're Yeah. I mean, I, I totally get it. I'm, I'm here for it, but that's something that you just don't see. You don't see that in a two-score game to start in the third quarter, if you don't get that, you know that the other team's putting up points, and then you're going to be down three scores, but they just don't seem to care, and I like that. They're not playing scared, and on the other side of that, what did you see from Cleveland when they got the ball back? They could have iced that game. They played scared. They could They could have. They easily, they actually should have won that football game yesterday. Well, like I it's mean, a bad, they, bad loss, loss by the Browns. They, they pulled the genius move of the century, pushing Eckler into the end zone. Like, how are you just not taking knees there? What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, there was that. There was there was a, a bogus PI call on that Keenan Allen catch. I think it was Keenan Allen. It might have been Mike Williams where he actually held. They got the benefit of the doubt on that one. But also just they ran the ball at the end when they could have thrown. It was like third and whatever, and they just ran it up the middle. They just they said, all right, we'll give the Chargers the ball back when really they should have let Baker Mayfield throw that football, and, and they, would, they would have that win yesterday. So they played conservative and scared to lose, and at the other side – the Chargers have shown all year that they're not going to play that way and they're going to put the pedal to the metal. And I don't know if we're just overreacting week to week. Justin Herbert passed Kyler Murray for MVP talk yesterday. Well, Kyler is an underdog on the road against the Browns this week. They're favored. The Browns are favored by two and a half against the Cards. The one that stuck out to me, though, beyond the Chargers, Dallas is only a four point favorite in New England next week. That grows. Like, that goes to six and a half, seven by the end, like by Wednesday, doesn't it? Yeah, they beat him by a touchdown. And I don't want to overreact too much about what we just saw with Houston, but this pass team is not good. Like it's they they hung in there against Tampa, but it was sloppy weather and Bill Belichick was on Brady. That's kind of what he does. Like he's had years and years of of seeing what Tom's strengths are. And you know, he had a good game plan against him and the team rose up. But last week is they or yesterday, they just got this got torched, man. Like Dallas, again, we just talked about them. They're so good offensively, and they're just taking what teams are giving them, whether it's you know, checking out of runs or checking into runs. They're just playing really good football and the defense is good. So yeah, I would bet that as high as six and a half, even on the road, I think they win by a touchdown. Yeah. So I, I've just bet both. I actually found Dallas at minus three and a half somewhere else. So I'm going to bet the Chargers money line. Why not? Plus 155, get greedy here, but parlay together. Dallas minus three and a half Chargers plus three and a half at plus 240. There we go. Plus a 5% bonus just, just for taking my money. Thanks guys appreciate that let's get in on that right now so try to try to get some early money now that i have extra money in my account from winning this weekend i'll make some stupid bets but that's where i want to go monday night football i don't want to step too much on griff because he has a video breaking down the DraftKings showdown element and the prize picks for monday night football if you want to get in on the prize picks use code mmn at first deposit at prizepicks.com you'll get a deposit match of up to a hundred dollars highly suggest that you do that oh and the nhl show is back uh, to, starting tomorrow. Bets, DraftKings picks, nice. sub to Mayo Media Network, like I said. Uh, right now at DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, the Ravens are still just favored by seven. 46 is the over-under. I don't have a particular lean in this game. Like, I picked the Colts on the show. I don't feel good about it. It just, 
it's one of these situations where it was almost like Detroit, who I just blindly picked yesterday. It's like, I see no path to them covering. But I know that no one else sees that, so no one's going to take Detroit. So I'll take Detroit. I feel the same way about Indy. Yeah, I feel like, you know, seven's a little high. You know, Detroit's been covering, so you got to give them credit. They don't give up, man. Did you see Campbell? Like, I've never seen a coach cry before after an interview. He was in tears uh, talking about the defeat from the loss. But, I mean, his team works hard. They've, they've shown it now that they, they really don't give up, and they, they hang around in games. So keep – I don't know. Keep that in the back of your mind moving forward when you pick spreads with the Lions. But I would agree with you. I'd, I'd lean Indy here in my own pool where you pick your own spread. And if you overbet, you don't get the points. So it's just conservative here with a three-point win. There's a couple of props I do like. Um, Latavius Murray, 12 and a half rushing attempts. That's over at DK. Um, and then over 50.5 rushing yards as well. I think he tops both here today. I think that they, um, I think they run on the Colts here a little bit. Uh, I just, the secondary for the Colts is so banged up. One thing to watch for in that Dallas game too, is the injury status of the Patriots offensive line. They were missing four starters and Trent Brown went on IR. So it's not going to be at full health and the pass rush for the Cowboys has been pretty good. And then that's going to build steam throughout the week, hundred percent. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to feel like I'm in trouble a lot and you probably want to watch the weather, but I think that's the best number that you're going to get. I like, and Griff kind of agreed. He liked the prize picks over on this one. And I like it at DraftKings Sportsbook, not only because it's playing plus money right now, because the Ravens secondary sucks. Uh, Michael Pittman, over four and a half catches. Like He's been over that each of the past three games. He's the only guy who catches passes on the Colts. I think he's got like a 60% target share over the last three weeks. Yeah, week one was uh, a dead game. And, but the I can't remember offhand, but there was back-to-back games where he had 12 targets. Yeah, he's been a he's been an absolute beast. He's been the the guy inside that offense. You see little spurts from Pascal and Paris Campbell, but those guys are no good. It is um yeah, it's Michael Pittman. I would expect another probably eight or nine targets, air yards and target share. He's been among the leaders the last three weeks. If you were building a DraftKings showdown lineup for tournaments, not cash, and you were just playing for first, how do you think you would build it? Would you go Pittman in the flex? Would you go like Jonathan Taylor in the flex? Because Naheem Hines has the shoulder injury, and we've seen Marlon Mack get a bit more involved. Maybe people would be scared off of Taylor because of that, because you'd have to think like Lamar, overwhelming Ravens is probably going to be the most, you know, is the common build. They're seven-point favorites. That's probably how it should work, but if you're playing showdown, you're playing one lineup, you need to be somewhat unique. Pittman is the captain. Does that work for you? Yeah, it does work for me because what we just talked about, and if they do roll and they score some points and you got to see them throw from behind, I mean, yeah, we're, I'm looking at it now, 12 and eight for 123, 12 and six for 68, eight and six for 59. That's a healthy dose of targets right there. It's 32 targets over the last three weeks. So yeah, that'd be the guy, right? You feel like Baltimore gets up in this game. They probably create a couple turnovers from Wentz, let's be honest. He still looks like the old Wentz. He's throwing picks. He's uh, panicking in the pocket. He probably takes a couple sacks. So if Baltimore does roll in this game, then yeah, you're, you're seeing a few targets, probably double digits again from Michael Pittman. That would be the way I suppose to get in a unique. I'm trying to think another Colts guy, like maybe Taylor, if Naheem Hines isn't there, but I think Hines is good to go. Like he would be another one that I would consider, I suppose, Naheem Hines, because if I am Peyton that script, that game pitcher, I am feeling like the Colts are kind of playing from behind in the fourth quarter and, and throwing the football a little bit more than what they want to. All right, you, you want to answer someone's life advice question? I picked one tailored to both of us because we've been through this exact thing. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so once again, if you have a life advice question, we're going to try to make this a segment on Mondays, uh, the Pat Mayo Experience at gmail.com. This question comes from Jack Kirkby from Ireland, 
who says, Hi, Pat. I'll be moving to Canada in around six weeks from Ireland. My current plan is to move to Toronto as I already have a job sorted there. Just wondering what do you think about the city in general and if you think there's other cities I should try. For reference, I'm 25, very sociable, love the show, been watching since the Pat Mayo Hour. So that means you've been watching since you were like 16, 17. So thank you for still being a fan. I, I wouldn't be after all this time. But it's funny that he's 25 and thinking about moving to Toronto. I believe that you and I both moved. It. I moved when I was 24 to Toronto, and I think you were 25, weren't you? Yes. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I, I worked in radio for a bit after I, t- I took a radio and television program in Nova Scotia, I think in 2004, couldn't find any work, went out West for a bit. And then uh, a radio station launched in, in my hometown. I did that for a couple of years. And then I was like, ah, I got to get into sports. I need sports. They took away my sports and my little mini news and sports cast. It just took it away from me one day because I talked too much sports and I said, screw this. I'm going to Toronto. And yeah, I moved there at uh, 24, 25. It was kind of uh, a little overwhelming, but you know, I, I loved my time there and you know, you kind of just have to get familiar with the city, but you and I are, are familiar with the areas uh, to live and where not to live. So I think we can help this guy out a bit. Yeah, I would say that if you're from another country and you're moving to Canada, I mean, you basically have three choices. Like I live in Halifax. I love Halifax. It's the closest to Ireland, I guess, besides St. John's. Fun town. Um, I mean, it's a city. It has like 450,000 people and it has a great downtown scene. And Far less COVID here uh, than basically anywhere else in North America. So that helps at the same time. But I think if I was young and like when I lived in Toronto, I had no money either. And I still was able to have a good time and still able to go out. There's just how it's like moving. I mean, it's Canada's version of New York. It's Canada's version of London. It's Canada's version of Paris, Berlin, wherever it is that you want to go. It's a major world city uh and you'll want to live downtown and i like toronto a lot i mean i moved because i have i'm married with two kids now i i couldn't live in a 900 square foot condo with a wife and two kids anymore it was just very i, I had to go buy a house somewhere and that's the same reason that you ended up moving too like you moved back just so you could have more space but we're in our mid-30s now like that's where i wanted to be when i was in my mid-20s there's still like everything's open there but there's like you know, the in canada i at least think in Toronto there's like the vaccine passport but it seems like things are becoming more sociable once again there I I think that would be the move it's just you're going to pay a ton in rent it's one of the most expensive cities on earth so if you can find a place maybe even split it with a roommate like I had roommates for ages Um, you ended up getting a good deal from our old friend (laughs) on your place but I I would highly recommend Toronto I had a lot of fun I I love living in I loved living in Toronto me too. I, I, and I miss it here. I mean, it's nice to be home and have the space and to have an, a, like a own room here to do this show instead of in a tiny little bedroom. But yeah, I, I love my experience all my time. I highly recommend it to her for a lot of people that ask me what Toronto's like and if it's worth the, you know, the opportunity to, to go there and not even just to get into the sports world or, or whatever. I mean, this guy's got a job lined up, but just, you know, there's lots of different things to do even outside of the city. There's, there's a lot of different things to kind of take advantage of, whether it's, to go to Niagara Falls if you're into, I don't know, you're a wine person, like there's lots of solid wineries around. And, but there's just like, heck, just walk the city. Like I like doing that as well. Just, you know, it's the scenic route is great. Down by the water is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I totally um, will always cherish my memories in Toronto and I hope to go back and, and visit sometime. But yeah, I mean, I, you are going to pay. You're right. It is very expensive. It's a very expensive city to live, especially. Uh, downtown it is but you know you could seek out some places you could find a roommate you can get into a townhouse let's well, that's how I started 
I was in like a townhouse with four other people on my own level, but there was four levels and it was, you know, it was pretty cheap, but I had a lot of space. It was just a little bit outside the city, but I mean, the travel is, it's easy to get around and travel and commute anywhere. Plus there's just so much to do, right? You got all the pubs. If you, if you're into pubs, you come from Ireland, you must be into pubs, outdoor pubs, outdoor sittings, you know, and then you, you know, baseball's there, basketball's there, lots of sports, theater. I mean, yeah, endless it, amount it, of things it, to do in it, Toronto. It has everything besides an NFL team when it comes to sports. Like it, they, even the MLS yes. team is. I mean, MLS sucks, but Toronto FC is like a good time to go do. Plus, the it Leafs is are a there. Great time. I, I would recommend living south of Bloor, but if you can't afford that, live south of Eglinton. Just make sure you're on a subway line. That way, that you can get around the city pretty easily. And if you have like, I don't know. to $3,000 to spend on rent per month. Send me another email back. I actually have a place, uh, my condo. I still own my condo. So you want to rent it out for 3K. 3K a month is the going rate. And like, that's not exaggeration. That's like what it costs to live. It's a two bedroom, two bathroom as well. But uh, you you know, the price of uh, price of rent, it's always going up in Toronto. And I am directly on probably the best subway line. It goes east, west and north, south. So if you want to get around the city and your job is good enough and you can afford that, you know, hit me up. Or if you want to rent it with a roommate, you know, someone else, you can do that toronto is also good for like i mean vancouver's awesome as well i lived in calgary i fucking hated calgary i'm never going back there again uh montreal i mean you don't have to parlay francais but it most certainly helps <laughs> which makes toronto very logical like there's direct flights back there's direct flights to everywhere in the world at the same time like is the biggest hub out of canada to go wherever you want it's less than an hour to fly to boston it's less than an hour to fly to chicago to new york like you are america adjacent in all those ways as well so I, I, I'm kind of envious. I remember how good of a time I had. Like I moved from, I moved to Toronto when I was 24. I moved to New York when I was 27. Then back to Toronto when I was 29. Stayed there until I was 36. So you know, I love Toronto a lot. That's why I kept my place there. Uh, you know, because just in case I ever want to move back someday. But you don't need to be there as much as we needed to be there 10 years ago anymore. Because remote working and remote learning and everything like that like we had to be in toronto to start our careers because that's where everything was that is not a thing anymore yeah it's a good call um yeah you're right a lot of people are just working from home i mean even people on espn and other major networks are you know you see them and they're they're just in their home setup and and doing their reports and live hits and for whatever sport they're covering from home. So you're right. You don't really need to be there. When we went there, it did feel like you needed to be there. I felt like I needed to be there. I, I felt like I needed to get away from out East and just getting to like a sports market. And it's like, again, no regrets. I mean, we got into, you know, a company where we did live shows every day and we got an opportunity to, you know, interview athletes and stuff. But you know, what you were talking about, it just where it's how so central is such a, is it's such a great point to bring up and that's one of the things that i loved so much about toronto is that hey i mean you go to go to buffalo it's like a two-hour drive to go watch the bills the cleveland was a three-hour drive go to philly pittsburgh five hours like it's so central even yeah. if you don't want to fly detroit i did all of those things heck you want to go to montreal for a weekend i mean it was a five-hour drive like it's 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 nothing and you're right there it's so central um, to all these other major sport sporting even if you don't you're not crazy crazy with sports you're watching the show you must be but also this little things to you know experience you come from ireland just to really just see what north america is all about you just toronto's like really central and it's in a really good spot to you know kind of take advantage of that yeah and if you're from europe the transition to canada versus the states probably a bit more <laughs> yes comforting like just going like after living in the states like it's such a it's not a huge shock going from canada 
to the U.S. But there is, and I mean, the cultures are pretty similar to begin with, especially if you're in the Northeast. But coming like after being in Europe for a bit, like oh, it's it's more like Canada than it is the state. So that would be sort of the stepping stone that you'd want to do. But there is something to being in the largest city possible. Like when I was in New York and even when I was in Toronto, and maybe this was something just personal to me, but it felt like the best of the best in any industry came to those locations to really get ahead. Uh, that's where all the young people who wanted to break in, who were doing the next big things, like it was, it felt competitive and I'm a competitive person. And I felt like that really got my juices going too, that I wanted to be the best. And I felt like the people that I was around, that they wanted to be the best too. So I had to be better than them, which is different. Like when you're working from home, like, I don't know, even now, like you can become complacent working from home. You're not working as hard. Like I was putting in like 18 hour days when I was there, which, you know, got me to where I am now. I wouldn't want to do that today. But when you're first starting to break in and trying to like move up the ladder and get noticed and everything like that, like that sense, like the big city feel like, you know, like when I lived on Queen West, like you'd, I, when Cody and I lived together as roommates, I'd stick my head out the window and be like three o'clock in the morning and like stuff was going on on the streets. Like there's right. an energy yeah. to that, that you are just not going to get everywhere that you can get there. Oh, you totally. Yeah. It didn't matter the time of the day, uh, what day it was, what hour it was, there was always something going on and something busy. And I like that part of it. Yeah. I'd like, I mean, I love, like, again, I'd like to be, back out east and it's a little bit calmer and you know kind of doing your own thing but i do miss that um, up tempo vibe and yeah it's it's a city where everybody is kind of starving their the energy is there and they're aggressive and they're motivated and you know i feel like that's <laughs> I, I i like that vibe right i i like that vibe of everybody's kind of like a go-getter i again i man you're making me miss toronto <laughs> should move back here a little bit but yeah yeah um, but, but no. you're, we'll you're, go, we'll you're go visit your money goes a lot farther here than it does there. Like it, Toronto's not a city for poor people. Honestly, it's not. It's really tough. It's tough. You have, and that's why you, you mean, you put in those hours, right? I mean, like you said, when you went there, it was a, it was a struggle at first for me. It was, it was an absolute grind. I didn't have a lot of cash, like barely could afford the school that I went to and, you know, working on the side and doing, you know, schooling and trying to make a little bit of money just to live. Right. Uh, So it, it is, it's definitely a grind, but it's a grind that it's, it's totally worth it if you put in the effort and I think it'll pay off, but yeah, it's, it's not cheap and it's, you're right. It just seems to be, like you said, my buddy gave me that rent, good rent for a couple of years, good dude. And he was like, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta get out of here or at least give me X amount of more yeah, pay, bucks. Pay, pay, me a, pay me a thousand dollars. I'm getting ripped off. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I, I mean, he, I think he bought his condo for like 300 and then two, within two years he was, he could have sold it for like five fifty, but he hung on to it. Yeah. I mean, it's never, never bad holding your money in real estate as it, uh, as you know, that's what I mean. That's what I'm doing with my place there. I bought a condo and then it's just worth more so much years later that if I can hold it for another 10 years, who knows, maybe I can retire for once in my life. Well, you only get to retire once, but that would be nice if I can just put everything in that and that would be good to go. I mean, you can get by with a lack of finances. I mean, we both did. Like I had like literally negative money when I moved to New York, uh, when I moved to Toronto and when I moved to New York and had to live in Jersey and then commute every single day through the path. But I don't know. It's it's fun. Um, and you'll find out if it's for you pretty quickly, if it's your vibe or not. If not, I mean... If you're not stuck there, don't stay there. Go somewhere else and figure it out. But I, I think that you'll enjoy it at least for a short period of time. Uh, probably not. You know, if you start a family, you start having kids, it's, it's tough. Because to buy a house in Toronto is like over $2 million. <laughs> like if it's going to be bigger than a 1,000 square feet. And that's not a kind of, it's like a house. So 
you have to kind of factor that in. But if you get roommates, like I lived in a shitty basement. I had roommates. Like I still had a great time and I would recommend doing the same thing. Anyway, Meany, uh, tell everyone about Mean Streets. Uh, yeah, Mean Streets, uh, five days a week. Not today. Um, the, the fine people at Anthem are taking the day off with Canadian Thanksgiving, which I totally understand. But yeah, Mean Streets, uh, usually every day at 12 Eastern. And um, yeah, we're diving into we're diving into hockey. We're getting into hockey. All the sports are happening. Love October. You got baseball. You know, that's full swing playoffs. NFL, of course, week six here, NHL, NBA around the corner. So busy times over at Mean Streets, a free show at 12 Eastern every single day. Yeah, smash the like to this episode and subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Fantasy Hockey Picks and Bets is back on Mayo Media Network starting on Tuesday. DJ Mitchell will have a, it's going to be less than 15 minutes a day, some bets, some DraftKings picks, and boom, you'll be on your way to keep you updated on the news. Again, hit the description. You can find the waiver wire column and you can find the snap shares and all the injury reports and cheat sheet form down there. Sub to the email while you're at it as well. I shall return Monday evening with Rick Gaiman, CJ Cup Golf Breakdown. I'll be back with Seeley on Tuesday for the full rankings debate. Hope you had a good week five. We're on to week six. And I'll see you next time. Family experience. Experience. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.